No, you did not just say that. Unbelievable. How can people be so ignorant? Right. Here comes the reply. Smackdown in your face. Emoji, emoji. Oh, did you not read what I just said? Idiot. Oh, there's good evidence, all right. You'd know that if you were even barely literate and you were an apostrophe belongs. Oh, you want to see the link? Okay. Pasting. Click on that. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. It's great to be with you for another episode of Signs of the Times Radio. And here in the studio with me is one of our authors from the April edition of Signs of the Times, Vania Chu. How are you, Vania? I'm very well, Kent. How are you? Yeah, I'm also well. Now, your your good friends call you Vani, don't they? They do, yes. Yeah, or even V. Yes, yes, yes. I've had a couple of people call me V. So the... The longer someone's known you, the shorter your name gets. Is, is that how it works? <laughs> Look, I'm just good with any name that sounds vaguely like my name since it's an unusual one and people usually get it wrong. Oh, there you go. So it's like Tania, but with a V. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Chu, cool. Hey, it's really great that you could be here with us. And thanks for writing the article too. No problem. I'm happy to be able to write it. <laughs> yeah. Now, Vania's article is entitled, How to Fight on Facebook. Makes me sound like such a controversial person. And, and, and win. And win, absolutely. <laughs> and win. So, And obviously, this is something that you know a lot of people are, are dealing with. But uh, first of all, j- just about you, Vania, you work with Adventist Media. What, what do you do uh, exactly? That's correct. So currently I'm a producer for Mums at the Table TV show, Mm -hmm. which is a show that screens every Sunday morning, 9.30 on Channel 7 2. Mm -hmm. And I also help produce the monthly magazine. Okay, for for Mums at the Table. Also for Mums at the Table. Yeah, Yeah, we had Melody on uh, a couple of episodes ago. So there you go. So you're. Yeah, so she's the editor. There you go. And you're the, you're the TV lady. Well, it's good, good to have you here. So yeah, if you're interested in checking out the Mums at the Table TV show, yeah, jump on the website, which is at mums at the table. Mums at the table dot com. Mums at the table dot com. Dot com. Okay. There you go. Cool. Now, obviously, you know, you're involved in a magazine, you're involved in TV, but it's the new media that everyone's sort of been excited about and where everyone's going these days, social media in particular. Um, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, all, yep. all these sorts of things. What's your, what are your preferred media platforms? Oh, look, I probably use Instagram mostly these days. Mm-hmm. I use Facebook for work connections. So to be able to talk to people, interview people, and also to run our mums at the table Facebook group and page. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's pretty much Facebook and Instagram and occasionally Twitter. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just haven't really warmed to Instagram. I've, I'm on Facebook and I find it suits me because I'm a sort of a words guy. But, but I feel like on Instagram, there's this pressure to produce shiny, glittering images of every, you know, every post you make. And I, I don't think I can handle that pressure. Well, that's what filters are for, Kent. <laughs> They help you. <laughs> and I think also I like the story aspect, the 
that you can put up videos or photos which tell people what you're doing that day. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not for everyone, but it's a good way to stay in touch and mm-hmm. also to just follow people that you're interested in. So I like to cook, for example. I was going to bring that up, actually. (laughs) And I follow a lot of food people on Instagram, and that's mainly so I can look at their recipes, I can get ideas on on how to present and how to plate, and Mm -hmm. yeah, I find it quite useful. Yeah, it's interesting, I know, because you returned from Ethiopia just recently. I did. and, And I was sort of expecting, you know, all these photos of you know, nomadic herdsmen with the wild mountains in the distance and and you've sort of got, oh, this is an Ethiopian pancake, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, I have both. I I like to think that there's enough photos of the more cultural aspects there, but then I think a very big part of any culture is the food. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And you learn so much about a culture from what they eat and how they produce it, and that's one aspect I really enjoyed about being in Ethiopia. Yeah, okay. So Instagram is, is your preferred yeah, medium. It seems a lot of people are moving from uh, younger people, are particularly moving from Facebook to Instagram these days, and and leaving the the grandmas and grandpas to. <laughs> well, I think I think that's the issue. I think everyone's parents and grandparents have gotten on Facebook, and suddenly the young people are just like, "No, we want to be somewhere else." <laughs> it's not cool anymore. If, that's right. If granddad's there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, it's funny, isn't it? Wow. And and have you seen the way people use social media change over? time? I think I have. With Facebook, for example, I think when it started out, no one really knew what it was. And it started off quite like Instagram, Mm -hmm. where people just got to update others about their day or Mm -hmm. whatever they happen to be feeling. Whereas now, I mean, it's a tool that can be used in a myriad of ways. You've got newspapers, for example, Mm. who put their articles online. They have people who engage in the comments online. Yeah, You know, there are just many more ways to interact and engage with people that we didn't necessarily think about before. Yeah, well, it's, it, it is fascinating how, how that's working. Now, in the bio at the end of, of your article, you actually are described as a Facebook pacifist. What, yes. what, what does that mean? Does this mean you, you just run a mile when it comes to conflict online? You'd rather, you know, post a nice picture of a, you know, a Korean dish that you, you know, saw at a cafe or something (laughs) rather than argue about politics or whatever? Look, I'm not opposed to having political discussions. It's just that when I scroll through my newsfeed, it's just so much of people arguing and trolling each other and, Mm -hmm. you know, actually getting quite violent or angry about their conversations. And I just feel like you should be able to have a nice normal discussion without Mm -hmm. it turning angry. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably what makes me shy away from talking on Facebook because there's actually a study, interestingly enough, mm-hmm. done in 2017, published in Psychological Science. Yeah. And it notes that people actually respond differently to opinions they read online as opposed to opinions that they hear face to face. Right. Okay. And because you're slightly detached from people when you're online, you know, you can't hear their tone of voice, you can't see the person behind the comment. Mm-hmm. You're and, more and like, often they're a stranger. Absolutely. Yeah. You're more likely to th- say things that you wouldn't normally say in mm-hmm. a real-life conversation. Okay. And then I guess the person replies in a way that perhaps they wouldn't reply either. That's right. And soon it gets quite ugly and you're just like, oh. You know, this is not a good place yep. to be. Things can escalate pretty quickly. They do. <laughs> <laughs> Names are, yeah, cast around and, whoa, heck, people get, seem to get very touchy too. They do, and I feel I don't know whether this is another thing that is representative of the changes in social media, mm. but I feel like people are more sensitive to things mm. than they would have been before. 
Yeah, it's just, I guess when you say something verbally, there's this sort of stream of words that sort of, you know, go by. Whereas if it's in black and white in front of you and on the screen or on a page, each word sort of gets, you know, dissected and analysed and, and sort of triggers someone, you know, that word belongs to the, you know, to the left of politics or that word is a right-wing reactionary word, you know. Absolutely, and there's something about the permanence of words that you put on social media mm-hmm. as well. You know, I ha- if I have a heated discussion with just the two of us, you mm-hmm. know, here right now in the studio, mm-hmm. well, the only people that are going to know about that, you know, with the with the microphones off, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, you, 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 me, and the rest of Australia? Yeah. Well, you and me, without the microphones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Whereas if I was to write something on Facebook, I'd have to think, well, how will that be perceived in a week? How will mm. that be perceived in a year? Yeah. You know, are those really the words that I want left as a memory of what I thought about that particular issue? Well, that's right. And they say that employers these days will not only, you know, read your resume and call your referees, but they'll also have a bit of a stalk on, on social media to see what you've been up to and something, you know, some wild party you went to in your 20s, you know, dressed up, you know, as Johnny Depp, the Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever. I mean, you whatever. sound like you're talking from personal experience there, Kent. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not. But you, you know what I mean? Like, these things do kind of last forever. Absolutely. And it's something that we never thought about because it wasn't mm. an issue when we were growing up. But yeah. definitely now, it's very much an issue. <laughs> do you find yourself apologizing on social media a, a lot? I, I do, I have to admit, because sometimes I have relatively strong opinions and then someone comes back and then I have to sort of clarify and say, well, sorry, I didn't mean to offend it. That might not have come out quite the way I meant it. Or are you a little more careful than I am, perhaps? Well, I think that's probably the benefits of being a Facebook pacifist is I don't <laughs> usually have to apologize for that. <laughs> Smart lady. <laughs> All right. That's interesting. Now, there's one guy in your article that you quote and his name's Andrew and he says it's important to engage with tricky issues online. How do you put all that together? Well, I think it is important to engage with issues, but does it necessarily have to be online? Mm. I mean, there are other ways of getting your point or message across. Can you private message the person? Can you ask if you can have a conversation with them in in person? I just Mm -hmm. think there are other platforms where you can have the same discussions, but not necessarily cause the same conflict. Right, yeah. Because I guess there is the impulse, you know, someone posts something and you're just like, what? Really? You know, how could you just say that and not expect someone to, you know, to react or to correct you or how irresponsible is that? And I guess there are some of us who feel this moral outrage and this need to, um, you know, to fix things, to correct things. I, I saw this quite funny, um, little cartoon that was probably a meme online. There's a, um, someone furiously tapping away on the computer and there's a sort of a speech bubble coming from the bedroom, you know, are you coming to bed, darling? And no, someone on the internet is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And I I guess I can relate to that. There seems a time where, you know, you cannot let that comment go without a reaction. Maybe you can, or maybe you're like your PM, you're like your personal message technique is is a little more diplomatic. Yes, well I can look I can definitely relate to what you're saying there because there are there are moments when I'm looking at a conversation that's happening below, you know, someone's post or mm-hmm. someone's article and I just think what, you know, I have that exact same reaction. Mm-hmm. The only thing is I think, well, is it worth, you know, 
reacting to it right mm-hmm. now? Mm. Do I need to react to it right now? And I mean, later I'll probably talk a bit more about my points for communicating successfully yes, on Facebook. Yes, Vania's six tips for healthier online communication. They are coming up, dear listeners. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But one thing that I... Yeah, one thing that I would like to mention is you don't usually change people's minds, Mm -hmm. you know. So, have that discussion, but does it need to be in the heat of the moment? Does it need to be on an online platform where everyone can jump in? I don't necessarily think so. Yeah, I'm sure I've changed people's minds sometimes, but you're right, it's it's few and far between. Well, let's have this discussion online, Kent. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Do you think there are agenda issues involved here? I mean, do you think men in particular are generally more willing to like get stuck in and have a frank exchange of opinions whereas women tend to shy away a a bit or look i wouldn't want to speak on behalf of all of my gender Mm -hmm. but i know for me personally one issue would definitely be trolling or uh potentially stalking Mm -hmm. and i remember reading about Clementine Ford, you know, writing an article and being quite viciously attacked and having all kinds of hatred and other comments are directed at her. She's very provocative, though. Some of the the language and the mockery and the the negative tone that she takes... It seems I'm not justifying, you know, abusive and, you know, death threat sort of responses in any way at all. But what she does say is pretty inflammatory sometimes. I I do have to say, yeah, interesting. But yeah, how can someone respond in in a like manner and and not cross that line? I think it's important not to cross that line. Absolutely. Um, Uh, I I think, though, that the issue at hand is more, you know, you don't know what sort of people are reading your mm-hmm. work and as you said before and alluded to people do seem to be more sensitive to things than mm. they used to be mm. so even something that might seem completely harmless to you is something that could potentially set somebody off yeah and yeah. i guess i'm aware of that and i want to be careful about what i put on li- online yeah i think it's interesting that there almost seem to be you know separate spheres of communication where uh, groups of like-minded people sort of talk with one another they look at the same websites they they read the same you know online magazines and they listen to youtube talks by the you know by the same sort of experts and they're this sort of vocabulary and these shortcuts and these particular terms come to mean something within that group but then on something like facebook you get someone who who is speaking in those terms from their own little bubble and use it, drop some of those terms, drop some of those comparisons, some of those arguments. And that rubs up against someone who's from a completely different bubble for whom what is totally normal for one person is a total controversial trigger point, you know, for another person. So you get this massive clash of worldviews on social media where these sep- like these otherwise separate spheres sort of collide. And I don't know, sometimes the results can be quite traumatic. Yeah, I know. I've seen some of those arguments. Yeah. The thing is, do they really need to be traumatic discussions? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people are perfectly capable of having a decent conversation mm-hmm. and I've had many decent conversations uh, with online. people well in real life uh, on, yeah, okay. and this is why I sort of advocate the real life conversations mm-hmm. because you actually get to talk to, pers- to the person you get to sort of understand where they're coming from and I think 
that's actually really helpful in being able to have a discussion that's both mm. respectful, but where you can agree to disagree at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, one of the big flashpoints of conversation online and elsewhere is the issue of, you know, Islam and Christianity and religion in the public space and, and all that sort of stuff. Now, you actually start your article with a really interesting story of a quite a positive chat that you had with a Muslim Uber driver. Tell us how that went down. Sure. So probably about almost a year ago, Mm -hmm. I was on my way to the airport. Mm -hmm. And because I live, you know, not that far from where I needed to go, I just thought I'd catch an Uber. Mm -hmm. Because you're such a millennial. Oh, I'm such a millennial. Mm -hmm. I really am. And the Uber driver just asked where I was going. And I happened to mention that I was on my way to attend a Christian media conference. Mm -hmm. And he just got all excited and his eyes lit up and he's like, look, you know, that's great. I'm Muslim, but I find Christian things so interesting. Wow. And, you know, when you've just got someone making a comment like that, Mm. it's such a great opener to having a conversation because you know this person is open to what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. You feel like they actually want to talk about the issues that... That yeah. you, you know, that you want so to bring So, he already up. responded positively and respectfully, didn't he? Absolutely. And we, I think that's something that we can all mm, learn a lesson from. That, that would have been disarming for you, perhaps. You, you might have thought, oh, heck, you know, he's, he's a Muslim. He's going to have very strong views on, on this or that. And yet, he sort of busted through that stereotype there, didn't Absolutely. he? Absolutely. Well, we actually had a really pleasant conversation. Mm. And, you know, we managed to talk about a lot of things that are considered taboo in polite society. Mm-hmm. And, and we were able to talk about our different religions and the expectations that come along with those religions mm-hmm. and just have a really friendly, enjoyable conversation. Well, what sort of taboo topics did you, did you get down to? Well, they say that you should never discuss politics, sex and religion. <laughs> Yes. Impolite company, don't they? Yes. <laughs> well, we went through all three. <laughs> <laughs> you, you went there. Wow. So, uh, did you ask him like the hard questions, or, like you know, w- what does jihad mean? Or absolutely, uh, um, yeah, we did get into that. Yeah. I mean, not straight away, yeah. but as. We felt that we were both, you know, open to learning more about each other's religion. Mm-hmm. We were ba- able to tackle tougher topics. Mm. And I, I did ask, you know, well, what is, you know, your personal thoughts on this? And mm-hmm. yeah, we had a really good discussion. Wow. And, and did he challenge you on the, I guess, probably the biggest sticking point about Christianity for Muslims? And that is the personality of Jesus. I mean, you know, the Quran says over and over again, you know, no one should make any partners of God or say that, you know, that say not Trinity, you know, this sort of stuff, denies the Trinity, denies Jesus was the Son of God. This is a big thing for Muslims. Did you go there with him? Look, we probably didn't get there that much. Mm -hmm. We didn't delve that deeply into theology. I think he was more interested in how Christians are, you know, when people say that they're Christian but don't necessarily live that out in real life. Mm -hmm, And unfortunately, he had encountered a few of those people, as I'm sure all of us have. And that was more of a point of interest for him. Okay. And did you find that there are actually a lot of commonalities between your beliefs? I mean, I noticed he seemed to warm to you straight away as someone who takes your faith seriously, and he obviously did too. And I guess in a a very secular country in a lot of ways, like Australia, to meet someone of any faith, even if it's a different faith to yours, sort of seems to create an instant connection with them. Absolutely. And I was actually quite surprised by mm. how many things we had in common and how mm. much we were able to say, well, yes, we do this too. Yeah. yeah. So, what, such as? Oh, well, for example, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist mm-hmm. and we don't eat 
pork, you mm-hmm. know, so we were able to have a good discussion about, you know, clean foods, unclean foods, mm. a or, little bit or, about or drink, halal. Or drink alcohol. Yeah, or drink alcohol. That mm. was definitely another point that was raised. Another common thing is obviously we believe in a day of rest and, mm-hmm. and, and worship and mm-hmm. yeah, being able to talk about those commonalities, I think, made us feel a bit closer together. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, Muslims believe in the, you know, the coming day of judgments and the, and even Jesus' second coming. It's a really big thing for them. Yeah, we didn't quite get there, but yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, wow. But so, so many commonalities. So I guess coming from that conversation, what, like, how would you approach a, a potentially prickly or controversial conversation with, say, like a stranger like, like him who, you know, in, in the future? Sure. Well, I think his positivity mm. and just openness Mm. were probably the most attractive things to make me want to have a conversation with him. And I think that's something that all of us can do, you know, whether we just, you know, kindly reach out and say, hey, you know, like, I find what you said really interesting, but I want to, like, just tell you a little bit about what I think. Mm -hmm. And I think if we're just open to that, you know, I think one of the big things that you see in, for example, online social media is that people tend to get on the defensive straight away. Yeah. You know, straight away they'll start insulting someone else or just say, oh, no, you're just wrong. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, they won't actually offer any sort of explanation or they won't try to attempt to engage in any meaningful way. Yeah. And I think that's a really big thing we can do to sort of change the conversation. Wow. And I guess you, I mean, you you made yourself vulnerable there. I mean, here you are, you know, alone in an Uber, you know, with a with a guy who has a very different perspective from you, and yet you are actually able to not just shut him down, but to actually answer his question and then engage in conversation. That required you to be a, a little bit vulnerable. A little bit vulnerable, yeah. And I think that probably is a big part of any conversation, mm. that in order to have an authentic conversation, you need to express honesty and a little bit of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Although I guess in, with Uber, you can always give a, a negative review at the end of the ride and say, you know, this guy was negative and hateful and, you know, whatever. So he would have known that too, I guess. Well, there's that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some safety. Now, at the end of your article, Vania, you give six tips for, um, you know, healthier conversations on on social media. Are you able to go through those with us as as we finish off? Sure. So these are just six tips that I think are pretty common sense, really, when I think about it. Well, but but as I used to have a lecturer who said, you know, common sense isn't very common. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) That's so true, Ken. So maybe it's worth saying after all. (laughs) Sure. Well, the first tip that I have is think about the time that you spend on Facebook as a business investment. Mm-hmm. You know, you're actively spending time on there. What are you giving up in order to get involved in the conversation? Mm. Is it worth it to do go a, into do the a dialogue? Do a cost-benefit analysis. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was never really that good at economics or anything, <laughs> but that was something that I always took away from one of our lessons, that you always have to consider the cost of something before you do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's fair enough. So, basically, while your finger is poised over that keyboard to reply, you just have a little think, how long is this likely to take? Where is this likely to go? How emotionally wrung out I'm going to feel at the end of this and, and decide whether or not you, you want to engage in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, are there other better things that you could be doing, mm-hmm. like reading Science Magazine or listening to the Science of the Time podcast, for example? Oh, amen, sister. I'm, <laughs> I'm loving it. Okay. Uh, 
Point, point two. Yeah, so point two is have a point. Uh-huh. I mean, if you're just going to say you're wrong, mm-hmm. nobody's going to get anything beneficial from that. Uh-huh. And you're just really going to inflame the people on the other side of the computer anyway. <laughs> yep. And even if you've got like, I mean, you've got teenage boys, Kent. Well, they're older than teenagers now, but yeah. Oh, well, 20-something-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when they do something wrong, even they try to think of something that's plausible and logical as an excuse, right? <laughs> that's right, yes. Make sure that you've got some sort of argument, mm. structured argument in mind before you actually type it up. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess, I mean, you don't always have a logical argument. Sometimes it just feels wrong, but at least you can be honest about that and say, you know what, I don't actually have any rational argument to make at this point, but to me, like my instinct tells me that this is wrong, you know? At, at least you're being vulnerable there and and saying you don't actually have a rational reason, but you, you know, you have a a gut a gut reaction. And, Absolutely, and yeah. that goes back to the other point we're making that you should also be honest when yeah. you have these conversations. Yeah, sure. Okay. So number three, you've got remember that other people also have the right to an opinion. Shock, horror, Vania. What? <laughs> not, sh- surely not if they're wrong. <laughs> well, that's the problem I think with living in the society that we're currently in yeah. is that it's really easy to be convinced that you're right and everybody else is wrong. Sure. But, I mean, you don't really have much grounds for a discussion or any sort of respectful conversation when Mm. you come across it with that point of view. Yeah. So, actually thinking, well, other people have legitimate opinions, at least let me hear them out, I Mm. think is a good Mm. way to start the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's called social media, and that implies social interaction. You'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> which means not just talking, but listening. I mean, it's it's not a lecture hall where everyone needs to sit quiet and listen and nod, is it? I mean... That's right, and even in lectures, they encourage you to, to have feedback. Wow, that's funky universities these days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, number four, ignore the actual trolls, because yes. they're out there, aren't they? There are actual trolls out there, and I really think, well, these people clearly have nothing better else to do with their time, but they're mm. out there. I mean, this is a really difficult one, Ken, yeah. because you just have to try to go against your instinct mm-hmm. to be provoked yep. and ignore the provocation. Yep. So, this is people, I, I guess, who deliberately go out of the way to shock, to insult, to... Just try to get a rise out of you in, in one way or, or the other. Or, or even to what, hurt your feelings. I mean, look, I'm not a troll. I don't know any trolls. I don't really know what, what's involved. What, what's your understanding? Look, as far as I understand it, trolls are ge- generally there, as you said, just to inflame people, mm-hmm. to waste time, mm-hmm. to provoke people. They're not really there for any sort of beneficial reason. They're mm. not interested in honesty or vulnerability. Or a they constructive just, conversation. They're not interested in a co- constructive conversation. Yeah. Just just for the lulls, as they say. They're looking to provoke a reaction. That's right. Now look who's being all millennial <laughs> with your vocabulary, Kent. It's like, like teasing your little sister just to just to watch her squeal. Exactly. No, so, not that I ever did that with any of my no, three little sisters. No, of course not. I'm sure you didn't. <laughs> and, and, and I guess um, on the point of trolls, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to use that block button, use that mute button, use that report button. I know I have on Facebook a number of times. You know, someone said something really horrible about the Christchurch shootings, you know, like last week or something, and I was just like, you're joking. Like, no, sorry. That is actually, you've crossed the line. It's a hate speech. And I've reported them to Facebook. I hope they got cut off. Sure, and that's actually a really good way to to use your voice mm. and not necessarily engage in a conversation that won't get you anywhere. Yes, but, and now that we've... <laughs> 
heaped scorn on trolls. <laughs> What's point five? Oh, point five, Ken, is don't be the troll yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And, and look, sometimes it is easy to say things just to chuck a hand grenade into the middle of a conversation and, you know, watch the chicken scatter. I, I guess I, I can maybe slightly understand the impulse, but you like to think it's harmless, but it's not always for people, is it? Well, yeah, and I think a little bit, you know, when we're feeling a bit cheeky, we all have that inclination to stir the pot just to see what we can do. But I think a general good um, rule is the golden rule in the Bible, Matthew Mm -hmm. chapter 7, verse 12, which is just do unto others as you would have them do to you. Yeah, boy, that is a golden rule. That's definitely worth basing a lot of your, um, you know, a lot of our social interactions on, you know, online and, and offline and uh, and number six number six is know when it's time to quit oh yeah okay. i mean you have people who just will hold on like a dog to a bone and not be willing to give up or concede or anything mm-hmm. like that and they'll argue and back seven different ways and yeah oh man those people who give you those posts that are like scroll down to two or three pages long and then they have multiple links all the way through oh you know what those drive me crazy i probably ignore <laughs> those on purpose <laughs> just on principle <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean know when it's time to quit yeah and i guess that's Look, this isn't constructive anymore. This isn't getting us anywhere. All we're doing is just... You're not going to change anybody's mind. That's right. We're we're just banging heads. It's it's like you said in point number one. You know, your time is an investment. It's precious. You could be doing a a lot of other things. So know when it's time to, you know, shut the laptop and see you later. And just walk away. (laughs) Walk away. Get some fresh air. (laughs) Walk away. No, that's great. Hey, I think it's probably about time for us to quit too with this um, podcast funny but thank you so much uh, for writing the article and for being part of Signs of the Times Radio this week. You're very welcome Kent, it's been a pleasure. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media.